Well, first off, I'll start by saying that I think 97% of the male population do not know how to pursue correctly. Um, and 97% of the male population also don't understand women at all. another episode of Dear Men. I'm very excited about my guest today. His name is Josh Klassen, and he makes videos about dating and relationships, which are really entertaining. I think they're hilarious, but they're also insightful, and um, they have lessons embedded in them, and they're geared primarily towards men. So I wanted to have Josh on to come back to a subject that we've covered a little bit in the podcast, but which I think is worth covering many times because We really like it when men pursue. So the topic for this one is how to pursue women correctly. And um, we're probably also going to hear about a few incorrect ways. So welcome to the podcast, Josh. Hello, Melanie Curtin. How are you? (laughs) I'm doing quite well. Thank you. Um, Yeah. So why don't you start just by walking us through, actually, what does it mean to pursue a woman incorrectly before we get to correctly? Well, first off, I'll start by saying that I think 97% of the male population do not know how to pursue correctly. Um, And 97% of the male population also don't understand women at all. Um, If I were a dictator, I would change the phrase, women like being pursued, to women like being pursued by the guys they like. Um, Men tend to over-pursue or under-pursue. And it's interesting that the over-pursuers tend to be, the, the men who over-pursue usually over-pursue women that don't like them. So it creates an uncomfortable scenario for both sides. Um, a lot of guys at one end of the spectrum, they try to take the friendship route to a woman's heart by constantly blowing up her phone um, how are you? How are you doing? Being a, just a nice and that's what the nice guys do. They take the nice guy approach. They think pursuing is, you know, liking a girl's every, every Instagram post, a girl posts, every, every Facebook post, whatever. Um, this sort of weird sort of, you know, non-masculine approach to getting a woman to like you. It's the friendship approach. And it, that's, that's on one end of the spectrum and the other end of the spectrum is kind of like the hound dog approach where, you know, the cat calling kind of like the, the gross sort of the almost Weinstein-esque approach where like the guy's too sexual, too aggressive. So you got these two ends of the spectrum where you have like this, this really nice guy, friendly approach that isn't masculine and you, it's not, they don't, the men, they don't position themselves as like a sexual being and someone who like even want sex. They come across as like these asexual gay best friend types and they essentially act like one of the girl's girlfriends. And then you have like these, these overly sexual, overly aggressive guys that, you know, that also turn women off in a completely different way. So it's this middle ground that we're looking for and that most men don't actually know how to do. Yeah. And can you say a little more about each side of the spectrum? And I'm assuming those are both the incorrect ways to do it. Why does the nice guy do it that way? And why does the hound dog do it that way? So the nice guy does it that way because he's not secure in his masculinity. He's not in his own masculine energy. He's not confident. Um, he's not, he's not confident and he just doesn't know how to act like a man around a woman. Um, he just, he just doesn't, he's not secure in himself. That's, that's the whole, the root of the issue right there. Um, and he thinks that logically in his mind, he thinks if he can be a nice enough guy and just prove to the the girl that he's a, he's harmless essentially that she'll like him for that. Um, 
And I think culture kind of positions that man in a way they, the media doesn't help us at all because mm. they, 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 they pose this. When you watch a rom-com, you see like this nice guy, best friend on one side of the spectrum and you see an asshole on the other side of the spectrum and you really don't they don't really show you what a true alpha male and a, a good guy should be you know so on one side you get you got the the guy who's not confident in his masculine um he doesn't know how to assert himself physically or mentally and emotionally and he thinks that he just needs to be a nice enough guy and be a pushover essentially, and the woman will like him for that. So that's that's essentially what you know the the nice guy does. And then you got the hound dog on the other side of the spectrum, who I would argue is also not secure in his masculinity. So he overcompensates by being sort of a brute and you know an overly aggressive sexual being. Both sides of the spectrum, they they all stem from a guy not being secure and confident in his masculinity. The nice guy side doesn't even know how to overcompensate for that, and the the other end, the hound dog approach, they overcompensate for that, but they both come from a position of weakness in a guy not being secure in who he yeah, is. Yeah, I like that you said that because I've, I've experienced the same thing, and I think it's easy to think of the overly aggressive side as being secure, like, oh, that guy's really confident – but it's not really true. If you actually dig down, there's no, there's sort of like a bluster that's put on top of, um, like basically when you're dominating, you don't have to actually ask, which means you don't have to actually get rejected. There's no vulnerability on that side. And someone that can't be vulnerable or isn't willing to be vulnerable is insecure because when you are secure, then you're able to take actual risks and when you're not secure, you feel like you can't take any risks because you'll get rejected. And so you don't really want to do anything that might give you a no. On the nice guy side, it's I'm not even going to try so that I don't have to get a no. And on the other side, it's like, I'm just going to dominate because I, I can't tolerate a no. So I recently made a video called Why Nice Guys Finish Last. And in the video, I talk about three different male archetypes. There's the nice guy pushover who acts like a gay best friend in essentially a girlfriend. Um, there's the macho bad boy who is the, the overly aggressive guy. He tries to control the situation too much. He's not flexible at all. Um, he's, he's, he's too much. He's too much. Uh, he pushes him, himself too much into a girl's life, try to, tries to control her too much and um, is overly aggressive and controlling. There's that guy. That, and those guys tend to win at first. They, they do better than the nice guy does because they're confident and they're a challenge. And a woman will gravitate towards confidence and challenge over the nice guy pushover at first, but then you never really see a relationship working out long-term with one of those overly aggressive macho bad boys because it's not sustaining. They win at the beginning, um, but they're, they're kind of allure, confidence, and challenge. That fades away when a woman finally realizes that, whoa, okay, this guy, the reason he's acting like this, it's not because he's strong, it's because he's weak. He comes across as strong at first, but as time goes on, I think a woman realizes that, yo, he, if he, he's not being, he doesn't want to do any of the things I want to do. He's trying to control every aspect in my life. That's because he's not secure enough in himself and not secure enough in our relationship, and that's why he's acting this way. So that, that bad guy loses over the long haul. The nice guy loses right away. But then the third male archetype, the one that only 3% of men are, in, in my opinion, it's, it's an alpha male, but it's also a gentleman. It's a, it, it's, a, it's a good guy. Not a nice guy, not a bad guy. He's a good guy. Um, he's, he has the confidence, the challenge, kind of like the, the dark edge of the macho bad boy, and he's able to assert himself physically, mentally, and emotionally. But he also has a good heart, and he treats a woman right and knows how to have a long-term relationship because he's a genuinely good guy. That's the guy all women want, and that's the guy who pursues women correctly. But unfortunately for you guys, that's really only 3% of the male population. So my whole mission in life is to help guys 
become that 3% man, so to speak, and to be the man that a girl can have a long-lasting relationship with where both people are happy and both people get what they want. Yeah, and can you say a little about your own personal journey? Because I'm curious, I'm guessing that your work comes partly from your own experience. Were you always good at pursuing or did you go on a journey there? Yeah, Melanie, I've been on quite a roller coaster of a journey with um, with various different ups and downs. Um, in high school, I would never consider myself a nice guy, but I definitely took the nice guy approach to dating and relationships and to pursuing. Um, when I would when I would like a, a girl in high school, I would try to take the friendship route to her heart. I would just like, oh, if I can, if I can just be a nice enough guy to her, um, she will like me for that, and it'll all work out. And even if she's chasing the, these these assholes right now, like that'll that, that'll all pan out in the end because I'm the nice one to her, and I'm the one who treats her right, and I do all this stuff for her, so she's gonna like me for that. And that never worked at all. And I would consistently find myself um, losing to men who treated the women I liked like shit. And I wouldn't, I just didn't understand it at all. I would go like, I, I, I'm doing like all the thing logically, like I'm doing this correct. I'm being, I'm being so nice to them. Like they, they should, this doesn't make any sense at all. Why do women go for the assholes over the nice guys? Um, so I took that approach all throughout high school and I consistently found, it was funny too, cause I would get girls that I didn't like and that I wasn't, you know, trying with at all. But I never got ones that I really wanted. And, you know, when you're, you don't really, you think about things kind of in a black and white way when you're in high school. So you don't really, you know, not too much deep thinking goes on there at first. But um, I remember, I was just like, I'm like if, if I don't try, I succeed. But if I do try, I seem to fail. Like, what, why is that? I had no idea. And, um, but I didn't really take any steps to to change my approach or to change my pursuit. I just kind of thought, you know, my, my ego told me that, like, yeah, if you keep doing this, then, you know, then eventually I'll win with the women I like. But the my wake-up call came um, senior year of high school when I was best friends with this one girl for um, about half a year. Best friends with her. Um she, I think I would consider her the first girl that I was in love with. I don't know if you're, if you can count, you know, high school love as being in love, but sure, I felt that way. I'll say that. Um, and we were planning on going to homecoming together and really, really liked her. We were hanging out a lot. Um, I never made a physical move on her at all. And might I add, I didn't hook up with a single girl in high school at all. I was that bad. Um, and then two and a half weeks before homecoming, um, I I told her I liked her. I just couldn't keep it inside anymore. And I remember I told it was the most it, it was the most awkward. It was just it was just strange the way I did it. Like I look back now and I cringe. I was sitting outside of a classroom with her first period drama class, and we were sitting in chairs right outside of the class, and we we're just talking. And I said, I need to talk to you about something. And she goes, okay, okay, sure. And I said, I like you as more than a friend. And, and I'd like to date you. And I, and I see homecoming as more than just a friend thing. I kind of see it, you know, as like a, like a date thing. And that's, that's how I want it to be. And then she said, oh, oh, um, ah, yeah, um, yeah, I don't really see you that way. Um, yeah, I see you as more as like a brother, like a really good friend. Um, I think we're, we're too close. We're, we're too close to actually date. You know, actually, yeah. You know what it is? I care about you too much to date you. That's what it is. Like we're, that was just like, yeah, okay, that's, that's a thing. Yeah, you care about me too much to date. That makes sense. Um, and I just remember like, you know, like that feeling like when you're, 
you're just bombing on stage or in front of an audience or something and your ears just start burning and you get like that, that lump in your throat. Like I had all that going on, all those feels. And I remember thinking, okay, you know, there, this, we, we, bad situation here. We didn't get what we wanted, but you still got homecoming. Um, cause she said, yeah, I, st- we can still go to homecoming together. It's totally fine. And I'm thinking, okay, I still have homecoming. Um, maybe when I get to homecoming with her, she'll like magically see me in a different light in us being there, like in the, in the, in the atmosphere and the, in the situation and all, you know, the, the act of going to homecoming together, that'll change her mind. That'll get her to see me in a new light. And then, then she'll like me that way. So I left that conversation sad and depressed but I was, I clung to homecoming. Boom. We still have that. And that's where I'm going to turn this all around. And so I held that thought for the rest of the school day. But then when we got out of school, I get a phone call five minutes after we're out of school. She goes, actually, I don't think we should go to homecoming anymore. Um, I think it'd just be awkward considering the, the situation. You're still a good friend of mine, but, um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I, I don't think we should go to homecoming anymore. Oh God, this story is so good and so painful at the same time. It's like, it's like, it's kind of like watching the opposite of a rom-com where it goes well. You're like, oh no, that's just really sad. And I love the specificity of all of the, like where you were and like what you were doing and what you were thinking. And the thing I keep, that keeps coming to mind, which I'm hoping you can speak to a little bit is the hope It's like there's this sense of hope, like, well, maybe it'll change if I do this and maybe it'll change if I do that. Maybe it'll change if I do this. There's like a sense of like, maybe if I just do the right thing, things will change. Right. And the reason why there's, why I'm given so many details is I think a lot of guys who are listening to this can relate thoroughly. Um, Rejection from a woman is the, probably the most painful thing a guy can go through. It is nothing cuts at your ego more than being rejected by a woman you're really, really interested in. And I've like for a good two years, there would not be a day that went by where I wouldn't like play this day over in my mind at least once, you know, like I remember everything in detail, like everything. So then the rest of the day went, so she gave me a call. Homecoming was off. And that just just a whirlwind of depression and sadness started that day and carried on for the rest of my senior year. And this was in September, the beginning of the school year. So this just so I had to deal with all this for like the whole year afterwards. Like rejection from the woman I loved, beginning of the school year. I was also embarrassed and I had like an entire year ahead of me before like I got out of there and went to college. Two and a half weeks go by. We go to homecoming. Um, we still went in the same homecoming group, except I went alone in that group, and she went with the guy I knew. And they sat right next to me at the same at the same table. I sat next to the guy, and she sat next to him. We were all. It was so weird. It was. <laughs> Oh my god, I can picture it. I can picture it. Yeah, it was not fun at all. It was the most uncomfortable. Yeah, I just yeah. And I remember I remember sitting there just like I was sitting there going, I can't believe this. Like I cannot fucking believe this. Like what is happening right now? Why am I here? Like I'm I'm alone. Like what is I did everything right. This is some bullshit right here. I just remember like just sitting there the entire time just almost like laughing just like (laughs) but um it was it was bad um that was my wake-up call right there that that whole scenario I thought okay clearly what I've been doing has not been working um I don't want to go through life like this anymore so I'm gonna go on the internet and I'm gonna search how to be successful with women Cause that's all I have. So during that whole year period of time, all of the I, I had to get over like the depression and just like the, you know the general sadness of it too. So it took me a few months to actually like you know start the process of kind of educating myself on you know how does a guy be successful with women. But over the summer, 
that following summer, the summer before, the summer after I graduated high school and was going into college, I went online and I watched all these YouTube videos and looked for books and read books about um, the pickup. And that introduced me to the world of pickup. And when I immersed myself, when I immersed myself into something, I do it full throttle. Like I'm obsessive. So within a three month period of time, I went from taking the nice guy approach to pursuing women to completely opposite, to being a complete douche wagon of a pursuer and acting like the pickup artists do in the book The Game by Neil Strauss and by a ton of other like ton of other things that I, I can go on. There was I, I had a list of different courses I bought, different books I bought. Um, one I bought these were these were all these were all courses and books to teach men how to be douche wagons. Yes, these were this yeah these were courses and books on how to teach men to be douche wagons and to hook up with as many women as possible. One of the courses I bought it was called How to Unlock Her Legs. <laughs> like oh my god, it was like it, I'm actually talking about that course in a future video, and I'm just trashing the thing because I look back on it now and it's like. People need to – a lot of guys, I think when – I heard a guy say this on your podcast um, a few weeks ago, I think, you had this guy on. Um, he was talking about his journey and he said that when a lot of guys first get into – when a lot of guys have failed with women um, and they're searching for answers as to why they failed with women, they're introduced – they find uh, the world of pickup first. And then from there, they kind of grow on. But pickup, I think it's where a lot of guys it's, – it's where a lot of guys start when they're starting to you know, find themselves as men. They start by listening to and reading the books written by these douche wagons who hate women <laughs> and probably don't even get women. Like I see a lot of these – a lot of I – I was too blinded by you know, my own, I guess, stubbornness and – wishful thinking at the time to really see these guys for who they were. But a lot of these guys, they're just weird. They're just weird. <laughs> Continue. They're just really like, I remember this one dude, like he was, I think his name was uh, Rob judge. And, um, he him, Rob judge, like I'm on lockerlegs.com. Blah, 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 blah. He's on his, uh, he's on this YouTube video and he's looking at the camera He's got these rapey, weird eyes. He's like really short, and it's like he just and it, it, you can just tell like he really he he associates women with rejection, pain, and suffering. He doesn't like them at all. He just wants to hook up with as many of them as possible on like one night stands, just so he can like feel better, you know. And a lot of those guys, that's a lot of that's who they are. I'm not saying all of them, but. I think most of them, safe to say, that's who those guys are, you know? And they- Yeah, I think that's a really good point about the um, the using women to, to feel validated as a man. Like he wanted to, that's kind of like notches on the bedpost. Like I want to hook up with as many women as I can to prove that I'm a man rather than, because I don't think there's anything wrong with casual sex or having lots of partners, but there's a difference between I'm doing it just so that I can feel good about myself versus I love sex. I love connecting with different people. I appreciate this connection, this moment, this sexual experience. Like I'm having a good time. I'm present. There's a really big difference between those two acts. And I agree that it does seem like in the pickup world, it's more about notches on the bedpost and what it says about you as a man. And the woman, woman really truly is just an object. She's just there so that you can prove you can do it rather than an actual person who you're like, wow, you're really interesting. I find you really sexy. Do you want to go home together? And having a really nourishing experience for both people. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's value taking versus, you know, sharing an experience, you know, and well said, you. well said. And that's what, that's what pickup is. It, it's value taking. It's how much value can I suck out of this person, you know? And that's not what 
dating should be. Um, that's not what sex should be. And that's not how human interaction should be in general. It should be about sex. The act of sex shouldn't be about two people getting themselves off. It should be about enjoying an experience and like the space and giving value to each other instead of like stripping people of their value so you can feel better about yourself. So, but that's where a lot of guys start and I don't blame them. You know, that's where I started. That's where a lot of, a lot of guys are hurt and don't know, don't really have that many other, they don't have a lot of good male role models out there to, to look at. And, um, unfortunately that like the internet space is saturated with a lot of guys who are pickup artists. And so when guys look up online, like how do I become more successful with women? That's what they find. You know, they find, they find these guys, the, the Rob judges on lockerlegs.com. They find that stuff first. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So I immersed myself into that and, um, I started to put that stuff into practice. And for the first three years of college, that was kind of who I was. I was a big asshole. Um, I didn't treat women well at all. Um, I hooked up with as many girls as I possibly could. And I was, I was both a virgin and a lip virgin when I went into college. So does that mean you had never kissed someone? Never kissed someone at all. Yeah. I was so bad in high school. I'm like, and this needs to all change. And I remember the, uh, I was 18 years old, um, on the Biola University parking structure is where I had my first kiss. It was in the first couple weeks of college. I, you know, I, I went out of the gate, both guns a blazing. And, um, I was hanging out with this one girl and, um, my first kiss was in a parking structure on the top of the parking structure, really. And I remember it was so damn awkward when I first started it. I was talking to this, this woman and I, I remember like, cause when you've never initiated a kiss, I was sober too, which didn't help. But um, <laughs> <laughs> when you've never initiated a kiss before, it's like the first time you're trying to ride a bike, you know, I'm there talking to her. We're sitting right next to each other, sitting down on top of the parking structure. And I'm thinking like, how does this even work? Like, do I put my arm around her? Do, like, does she do that first? Like, do I try to hold her hand? Like, do I give her a compliment? Like, I knew the, I, I knew the theory of pickup and like what you're all supposed to do. But then when I finally got there, like when I set myself up for, to be in a position where I could actually go for a kiss and make a move, I'm like, this is like, so what do I do? And then I remember I like slowly went in for a kiss and I stopped and I went back. It was a big awkward pause and it was very awkward for both of us. And I remember she was the one who broke the ice and she goes, so uh, what's your favorite color? <laughs> great <laughs> keep going and then i said uh black but black's my favorite color and she goes black's not a color <laughs> and i'm like for fuck's sake like black is a color it's as i'm wearing it it's the color and she goes no black is the absence of color and i'm like no black is all the colors in one color and as i i'm actually like getting frustrated with like her talking about this now i'm like i'm actually like i i've killed the mood i'm like no i'm we're arguing about we're arguing about colors now this is so bad this is going and then so we stop for another second i'm like should i go for a kiss like okay and she goes what's your favorite planet <laughs> I go earth because we live here and then she gives and she starts talking again and I just boom I just went for the kiss and then we started making out and then it was like all this good like all the awkwardness of that you know whole, whole interaction just faded away once we were engaged in the passionate makeout session and I remember I did that and I was like holy shit I can do this and so I um that that was like that that's all that was all the confidence boost I need I needed to you know to, to go forward and <laughs> pursue the journey of 
of the pickup artist life for a few years. And I, I, I did well in that area. I had a, a lot of one night stands, um, a lot of short flings. Um, but I just was not, I did not feel fulfilled in that at all. Like I thought I would. Um, I left a lot of women worse off than, than I found them. Um, I think I hurt a lot of women too. I hurt myself in the process and the impact it had on, on me emotionally, mentally, and spiritually even, um, it, it wasn't, it was not good. I, it, I had the confidence to go out and actually pursue women, but I wasn't doing it in the way that it should be done. And I wasn't doing it in a way that makes humankind better, you know? Yeah. I think that's a really, that's a really important point that you just made, which is it doesn't actually feel fulfilling in the end if, if it's done this way, right? Like there's nothing wrong, like we said, with connecting with lots of people in a sexual fashion, but it sounds like because you were following the pickup playbook that there was a sense of like, just getting as much as you could, like getting as much as you could kind of like racking up the numbers and, and like you said, taking value, like the sense when I, when you're speaking, the sense that I get from it is like very much like a taking situation, not like an exchange. Is that how it felt? Yes, that's exactly how it felt. And I remember like, I remember when I would, I, the girls I, I hooked up with, too, I wasn't even interested in a lot of them. And I had no intention of, I didn't even really want to hook up with them, let alone, you know, have a relationship with them or any kind of thing with them at all. I just did it because I wanted to do it and I, and I could, you know, like if I can, if I can, if I know I can do it, then we're good. And that, that was it. And then I wouldn't even, I would, a lot of times I wouldn't even talk to these girls again. Cause I just didn't want to, I wasn't interested in them, you know? And that's, I mean, when you're hooking up with people you're not even into, you know, you that's, that's bad. That's just a, a low place to be, you know, that's just, that's just all, all sorts of fucked up. Um, so I did that for the first three years of college. And then, um, I was in one, um, I was in one relationship, um, my junior year that lasted about eight months. Um, and she was cool. I didn't, I didn't love her or like her too much. I just kind of wanted to be in a relationship. And um, <clears throat> we parted ways on good terms because she moved to Chicago and we just agreed we were going to break up. And I cared about her as a person, but um, and I didn't want to, you know, break her heart. So I waited till she moved to Chicago to end the thing because um, it, you know, just worked out that way. It was a pretty clean break. And then after that relationship, I got into, and I, the whole, I did not leave that woman better than I found her at all either. Like she was in a relationship with a, with a train wreck, crazy human being who was, you know, who she knew, she knew I didn't like her as much as she liked me. She knew it was just, you know, a bad deal for her. And I, I hurt her in a lot of ways. And I feel really, really bad about that because I do still care about her as a person quite a bit. We still talk, we're still great friends, but that was not a good thing on my part either. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit just briefly about, um, why you, was it sort of like you just decided I'm going to try being in a relationship now? Like what was the motivation behind that? It was that. And I was kind of bummed out that I wasn't able to get this other girl who I was really into. And I kind of wanted someone there, you know? Yeah. So a little bit out of loneliness. Yes, a little bit out of that for sure. And I liked having someone who consistently cared about me and that, that was always there that I could go back to, you know? Like I was I, – I, I really enjoyed alcohol in college. I still enjoy it quite a bit, which, you know, I, I should probably get to a more zen and spiritual place without it. But um, I just like it. I'm sorry. But in college, like I, 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 I would drink a ton. And when you're done drinking at a party with all your friends um, – there's that loneliness, you know? And I remember thinking like, I just want to have a girlfriend to go back to every night. So I don't feel that way, you know? And that's where she was that for me for, for eight months. Yeah. I think that's a really important thing to touch on because I think that's something we don't necessarily talk about enough, which is the desire to be in a relationship out of loneliness, which is mm -hmm. not a healthy basis for a relationship, obviously, 
but I think it, it's pretty common and it's something to definitely be aware of because I, I, I think it's, I think it's exactly what you said, which is that is a motivation for getting into one. It's not the best motivation, but I think it happens a lot more than we think that it does. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people get married because they, they're afraid of being alone long term. I think it's safe to say that half the people that get married don't have love in their heart when they get married. And if you look at the divorce rate, I think, I think the evidence kind of backs me up on that claim quite a bit because I think like 53% of marriages end in divorce or something like something's off there, you know, something's very off there. Yeah. That's like a whole other episode to go into. Um, Right. Right. So back to your journey. Okay. So you do this eight month relationship. Did you have another wake up call about the lifestyle you were leading or how did that work? No. Um, as soon as that relationship was over, I started hanging out with this, uh, this one woman three days later, um, and who is the, I, who is the, the woman who gave me the, the next wake up call? Um, we'll call her Rochelle. Um, I, that's not her name, but we'll call her that. So I got into a relationship with her way too quick. Um, I really liked her a lot and, um, she was not a good person. I do. If I did a video on the nine female villains to avoid and I give them all creative names. She's what I'd call a trampire. And a trampire is a woman who sucks all the attention and affection out of a man and then moves on to the next guy and does the exact same thing when she's done with them. There's male equivalents to that. I was a bit of a – I call them the vamp whores. So I was, I was a vamp whore back in college, and she was a trampire. So the vamp whore and the trampire got together, and it was just a bad deal. But I really, really liked this girl a lot, and I she was the second person I was in love with. And – um. I wanted to make it a good relationship that would last. And I kind of reverted when I was in a relationship with her because I liked her a lot. I kind of reverted back to my my former nice guy ways when I was in high school. And because um, I thought, you know, once you've established that, once you've established a relationship, like it's okay to be a nice guy in a, in, a, in a pushover and, you know, do things that do things that aren't necessarily do things out of an energy that isn't in your masculine, so to speak. So I thought that was okay. Um, and then our relationship, I ended the relationship between us because she was just not a good girlfriend. She didn't treat me well at all. Uh, she cheated on me several times, which I found about way later, but I kind of had a sus- suspicion. So I ended that relationship. Um, when I graduated and I looked back on that relationship and all my past experiences as, you know, an asshole and a nice guy, and then starting off as an asshole in that relationship and becoming a nice guy. And I thought, geez, like are relationships all about hurt or get hurt? Like, is that what life is? Is it about either taking value or getting value taken from you? Like, what is what what is life? What is love? What are relationships supposed to be? And why am I not? Why why do I feel like I'm missing the mark in in various different ways, either on one end of the spectrum or the other? And so I did a lot of soul searching for about six months and I read a book that this book changed my whole perspective on masculinity, why assholes beat the nice guys and why the gentleman alpha males beat all the other categories. It's called How to Be a 3% Man and it's written by a guy named Corey Wayne. Um, I've listened to this audiobook probably 25 times. Um, it is so good and it completely reshaped my thinking on masculinity, relationships, and how to understand women all together. And it took a really bad relationship where I had the value sucked out of me. And, you know, years before that, me sucking the value out of other people to really see both ends of the, both sides of the, the coin and understand what it is we're supposed to be doing in relationships and how we're supposed to give and how we're supposed to set ourselves up to 
to not get value sucked out of us when we're just trying to give. So it really, that book, I'd recommend that book to anyone, mostly men. Yeah. Tell me, tell me a little more about what, what you got out of it. Like how did it change what you, how you saw relationships or what did you get out of it? So the book starts, it, it talks about a lot of different things, but one of the main things I took away from it, um, it allowed me to understand why women are attracted to the things they're attracted to and why assholes consistently beat the nice guys. Generally, I don't think women are attracted. Some women are, but generally, I don't think women are attracted to the bad boys because they treat them like shit. They're attracted to the bad boys and the macho alpha male guys because they're confident they're pursuing their own dreams and goals in life. Um, they're, they have purpose. They have drive. Um, they're in their masculine energy and they're, they're self-governing individuals who they, they don't allow women to walk all over them. They, they don't allow a, a girl to have their way with them. They're resolute in their decisions and in their purpose. They're self-governing and they don't waver based on a woman's emotions. They're not pleasers. They're in their masculine energy and like in their, like they're, they're alpha males. And that's why women are attracted to a man who is secure in his purpose, who is confident, who is pursuing the things he wants to pursue and doesn't make decisions based on what she wants him to do. He's essentially like a, a complete man and is going to be fine with or without her. And that's the draw of the bad boy. It's the I'm do, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I you know I'm 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 my own man. Um, you know you, you don't control me. Um, I'm my own guy, and I'm going to be fine with or without you. Would love to have you along for the ride, but if you don't want to get on my ship, then I'm sorry. Um, like I'm going to be just fine though. That's what they're that that that's attractive. But you don't have to be a bad guy to also do that, you know? And that's what the book taught me. The book taught me that you can be a strong, dominant man without being overbearing and treat women like shit. You can do it in a way that you can be a confident man, you can be a challenge, and you can have destiny and purpose and be on your own, you know, be going down your own path and grabbing life by the balls, so to speak, without treating women like shit. It doesn't have to be either or. You don't have to be a, a pansy and a pushover or a horrible person. You can be a centered good guy who is who has the the characteristic the, the characteristics that of the, the bad boy that the women are into, but also have like a sensitive, loving, good side and leave women better than what you found them. It's just it's a matter of it it, it totally changed my perspective. Yeah, I really like that that shift from the either or to the and. Correct. Because I think that's that's really the crux of the matter is that it it does feel like the archetypes in the culture tend to be either the nice guy or the asshole and what it sounds like you got from the book is like there's a middle ground where there's a man who is in his power and kind. So there it doesn't have to be I'm only kind. I'll do whatever you want. I'll follow you anywhere. Sure. I'll help you move. I'll do all the things that you want. And it also doesn't have to be, I don't really give a fuck about you. Like I'm just here to bang. Like it can be, I really want you and I want you to feel safe. There's an and to the quality of that connection that it sounds like you really grasp from that book. And how did that change your, your relationships with women? Uh, when I fully grasped that information, um, I, I have had nothing but positive experiences with women since I really grasped that information. And so for the past year, I've, um, I've, I've, I've dated around quite a bit. Um, and I've had a few, you know, encounters where they've been short deals, but, um, I never felt like I was taking value from a woman. And I always felt we, we, we always had a great time. And I always left the women I hung out with, dated for a short period of time, or just hooked up with a few times better than how I found them. 
I was pursuing the things I wanted to pursue. I was in my masculine energy. I was confident. I was a, I was a challenge. I had control over my own emotions and in my, you know, mental and a emotional stability. And I was just, I felt like a well-rounded guy who was both edgy and attractive, but yet kind and good. And I treated women well, not because I wanted to get there. And I do this now. I treat women well now, not because I'm trying to win their approval or get them to see me in this way or like, which by the way, like nice guys, they, they try to take, nice guys try to take value from women the same way that the macho bad boys do. They just do it with like, you know, with, with bribes and, you know, with bribes and in, in pansy ass attempts, you know? So it, it's all the same thing. Both ends of the spectrum are both, you know, how much value can I take based on the actions I'm, I'm doing, whether it's, you know, I'm going to be super nice to you, please give me sex, or I'm going to be super mean to you because, you know, you'll feel like you owe me sex for some weird reason, you know? So both of the spectrum are both like, how much value can I take? But being a good guy who's confident in his masculine presence and who he is gives value, but doesn't expect things in return because he he's trying to win approval. He gives value. A, a solid good guy gives value because that's who he genuinely is and that's his gift to the world. And you got to surround yourself with with women and people in general who 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 share that same mental mental, you know, that that mentality mm-hmm. because if if you don't, you know, you're going to you're going to have a lot of people who take advantage of you. You got to surround yourself with people who who think the way you do in that respect and give freely and openly to them because that's that's naturally who you are not because you're trying to get value from them and that's the biggest takeaway I got from the book and um you can do that without being a pushover. Yeah, I I like where that is going because what I hear there is I'm giving value because that's who I am and I'm not attached to the outcome. I'm not helping you move because I'm hoping you'll have sex with me later. I'm helping you move because you're my friend and I care about you and moving is stressful and I can, and I'm stronger than you or whatever it is. It doesn't matter, but there's a sense of that. I'm, I'm giving you this or I'm helping you with this or I'm interacting with you because I want to. And because I'm here, not because I'm hoping this other thing will happen later. Correct. That that's exactly right. And I would add to that: you got to make sure you put your, you surround yourself with people with women who think the same way and aren't using you just because you know you're you're a willing participant in their game as well. But that's that's where everyone should be in as far as their you know their dealings with relationships go. They should be in a place where they surround themselves with giving people who give to them freely, and they also give to the, the other person freely. It's a mutual exchange full of love and giving. And that's what relationships are all about. They're about giving and not taking. And that's the best thing I learned from that book. And um, yeah, I'd recommend that book to anyone. How to Be a 3% Man by Corey Wayne. Yeah, interesting. Maybe I'll try to have him on the podcast actually. Um, <clears throat> so we're going to start to wrap up. And I'm just wondering as we do, what would you say is the single most important piece of advice you have for men in terms of this subject? So pursuing a woman correctly, I wanted to go over this a little bit earlier, but we, you know, we got onto the story and everything. Um, pursuing is not a complicated thing. Women like being pursued by the guys they like. Um, and if a woman's making it easy for you to pursue her, that means she likes you. If she's making it difficult, she wants you to fuck off. Well, a lot of women won't say that. But because you're on, I think a lot of women are scared to say that and I don't blame them because I'm a lot of women have had experiences in the past where they've rejected a guy to his face and he's flown off the handle and it's been extremely uncomfortable and scary for them. Um, so I get that entirely, but it doesn't, it's, it's not difficult. You just, you talk to a girl when you end your conversation, you say, Hey, I'd love to take you out sometime and talk about this more later. Uh, what's your number? If you get her phone number, Give her a call, schedule a definite time in place for you guys to go out on a date. Um, and if she plays ball with you, 
and she makes that process easy and she shows up for the date, you have someone who's interested in you and she wants you to pursue her. And then from there, you call her once a week and have a date once a week until things start getting a little more serious and you have to do. If you call a girl once and she makes the process difficult for you to nail down a date and schedule a time to hang out, try again a week later. But if it's no two times in a row, stop pursuing. She doesn't want to be pursued. That's something I talk about a lot in my videos. Pursue the women that want you to pursue them. It's direct statements of interest in short bursts, direct confident moves. And if she makes that difficult for you and she's not playing ball, it simply means she does not want to be pursued and you should stop trying. A woman will open doors for you if she wants you to walk through them. Yeah, I really, I really like that. I, I think you're right. I remember watching one of your videos and you said something like, you need to walk through the doors that are opening for you. You can't just keep pounding on the door and hoping it will open. It's obviously, it doesn't want to open. (laughs) And I think that's a really, um, easy way to tell is what you said about scheduling. Like, does it feel easy to set up the date? Does it seem like she wants to go on the date? then go on the date. If it seems difficult, move on. Um, but, but what you're also saying is, yeah, ask for the number, ask for the date. That's to me, part of pursuing, like take action, go move forward. Don't just text her, Hey, 16 times. And what are you doing? What are you up to? Like actually, actually do the thing. Exactly. And to go to use your example of handkerchief dropping, pick up the handkerchiefs that are dropped, don't run over to a girl and start searching her body for handkerchiefs that <laughs> might not want to, want to give to you, you know? That's great. I love it. <laughs> oh, Josh, thank you so much for being on the podcast. If people want to watch your videos or otherwise get connected, how can they find you? You can find me on YouTube, uh, Clawson Nation. Um, you'll put the spelling in the, in the notes. If you get the spelling wrong, you will not get my stuff. If you put one A and two S's in my name, you will not get me. You'll get like a golfer or something. K-L-A-A-S-E-N. You can find me on Nascent Nation. You can find me on YouTube, Instagram, Clausen underscore Nation, and Facebook, Clausen Nation. I post little things every day, and I post one full episode a week. Perfect. All right. That wraps up another episode of Dear Men. That wraps up another episode of Dear Men. Thank you for listening. If you want to reach out, we would love to hear from you. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Dear Men Podcast. That's at Dear Men Podcast. Or Facebook, we have a group, Dear Men Podcast. We also have an email address, dearmenpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to join the Big Sexy Dataset, the community of people who regularly respond to the surveys that we talk about on this podcast, just email us at that address, dearmenpodcast at gmail.com, and we will set you up. Have a sexy day.